0: Your large intestine is a haven for trillions of mutually beneficial microbes that make up your gut microbiota. The gut microbiome has been getting more and more attention as scientists have started to uncover the different types of gut bacteria and their role around vital bodily functions such as your metabolism, hunger and digestion. Much lesser known is the intestinal mucobiome, which is the fungal community that coexists with the microbiome in our gut. In fact, fungi are said to play an important role in the maintenance of the microbial community structure. For example, changes in the makeup of the mycobiome have been linked to issues such as inflammatory bowel disease and obesity. You are listening to 20 Minute Fitness and I, am Martin Kessler, 20Fit is powered by Shapeskill, the 3D body scanner that keeps your health in check. Currently in private alpha testing in San Francisco. And if you happen to be in the area and looking to get into better shape, there are still a few limited spots open for joining up in August. If you're interested, you can email us at hello at shapeskill.com. On to the show. Today is all about your gut and I'll be talking to the founders of Biome, the first company that addresses the gut's total microbiome of both bacteria and fungi. Afif Ghanoum and Dr. Mahmoud Ghanoum are the father son duo behind Biome. And Dr. Mahmoud Ganoum is one of the world's leading microbiome researchers and he also happens to be the scientist who named the mucobiome. and he is also the author of the book Total Gut Balance much of his research has formed the foundation of biomes work and through today's show you can expect to learn more about the mucobiome and in particular how you can balance your own mucobiome through dietary and lifestyle changes
1: so i'm afif ganoum i'm the co-founder of biome and i'm a biotechnology attorney by background and this is dr mahmoud ganoum my co-founder of biome and he happens to be my dad so The inspiration for Biome was that in 2016, my father was doing a big clinical trial on the role of the microbiome in Crohn's patients. And what he found, and this was a study uh, discovery that got a tremendous amount of attention in the Crohn's community, was that for the first time, he was able to identify that bacteria and fungus were actually working together in the gut to create these very viscous, thick biofilms in the digestive tract. And those biofilms were causing serious side effects for people with Crohn's. So when that study came out, the reaction was just huge around understanding that fungi had a role to play hmm. in the microbiome. And, and when we looked around, we actually didn't know much about the probiotic space, but what we looked around and we saw like, wow, everybody talks about bacteria. No yeah. one's doing anything to address the role of bacteria and fungi.
0: You yeah, so, have to say, but before I read the book, and there's a book uh, called Total Gut Balance, written by your co-founder and, and dad, right? And when I first read it, I was also like, I thought microbiome is all about bacteria, but they're actually fungi that also play a huge role, right? And do you know,
2: that. And that's really where the whole story started when we looked at the microbiome Crohn's disease and we showed that. It really brought me back to when I first started doing a lot of research on my, my main research was on Candida, the fungal infection, which people know, thrush, for example. And at that time, I learned that when somebody takes an antibiotic, guess what happens? they become predisposed to fungal infection or they become really susceptible to fungal infection. And that made me aware that, listen, if you disturb one community, which is the bacteria in this case, you are gonna encourage the other community because bacteria keeps Canada under control. And guess what? By killing it with antibiotic, that's what happens. And really it all came back with evidence in that Crohn's disease patients where we showed that bacteria and fungi particularly Candida tropicalis, mm-hmm. as well as siracha mercisans and E. coli. All these names, sometimes they are difficult to say.
0: Right. And and they're, they're definitely good and bad bacteria as well as fungi. And there's really yeah. a symbiotic relationship between us, the humans, but also between right. the bacteria and the fungi, right?
1: Right. So, so what we did was we said, okay, we now understand there's a couple of these bacterial organisms combining with a fungal uh, organism that are causing big issues. So what if we worked backwards and designed a probiotic that could neutralize each of those specific organisms. So we did something called correlation analysis, and we looked for probiotic strains and enzymes that would actually break down these pathogenic or bad organisms uh, in that biofilm. And that's how we actually came up with with bio our probiotic. And so when we took it a step further, people were actually contacting my father from all over the world saying, well, you know, you were able to look in the guts of people with Crohn's. Can you look at my gut? And, and his lab really wasn't set up to do that for like, like a, that. A, a lay consumer. So then we looked and we said, okay, interesting. So we created uh, a gut microbiome test called the Biome Gut Report where we we're able to look at not only the bacteria in the gut, but the fungi as well. And so now since that time uh, we formally launched in 2017, we've sequenced thousands and thousands and thousands of people already all over the united states and really what we've realized is that people you know they think they want to know what's going on in their gut, but they really just want to understand like okay how do i feel better right like that's right. really what they are after so you know the analogy we ended up using was like a credit report you know because if you get a bad credit score that's really what you're concerned about it's not really that like you didn't pay your gym membership and that's what's hurting your your score you want to know okay what my score is and how can I improve it? So we said, like, let's really take that design aspect and really build out a report that's easy to understand. Like, you know, we'll, we share the bacteria, the fungi, but really it's about the recommendations. Like, what can I can do nutritionally to optimize my gut? And so after doing that, we kept seeing the same answers. And my dad said, you know, this really kind of warrants a book because people, like you said, when and you're well-educated in this area yep. and you thought it was, was uh, really just bacteria, you didn't really understand the role. You know, so we thought that's an opportunity and really that's what his book, Total Gut Balance, does is really explain what is the microbiome, you know, what is fungi's role, what is bacteria's role, and then what can you do about it? And that's really the beauty of it, is
2: that when we put the book together, what we wanted to do is we need to inhibit the pathogen, as you said, those organisms that cause disease, while encouraging the beneficial one, such as uh, lactobacillus bifidobacterium, but also the fungus or the yeast, which everybody knows, saccharomyces uh, boulardii or saccharomyces mm-hmm. cervicia, which we use in baking and we- wine making and this sort of thing. So we need to encourage this because not all fungus are bad. At the same time, when we knew that this pathogen work together to form this biofilms, which we call a digestive plaque. is like the plaque in our teeth. We clean our teeth every morning to get rid of it. We cannot do the same in our gut. And that's why we wanted to come out with diet as well as probiotic and prebiotic to try to disturb this plaque in our gut so that you rebalance your gut and then start feeling well, not only in your gut, but all over as
0: well. Right. And you created a whole sort of new diet around this of creating really a healthy a microbiome, right? How does that look?
2: Exactly. Exactly. You know what? What's so interesting? We did a study and we published it uh, recently, where we took samples of people, fecal sample or stool sample, mm-hmm. to just know what is the microbiome, both bacteria and fungi, that in your particular gut. Okay, and then we let them go in on the diet for about four weeks, and then we looked what happened at the end. And guess what? We saw a shift towards Better beneficial organisms in bacteria as well as in fungus, and we saw a reduction in the bad ones. You know, at the same time, we did another study. This time, using the probiotic, which is biome probiotic, and we showed that people at the beginning, it was done actually in people in California, uh, slow food uh, uh, sort of group, and. We showed that we are able to shift this microbiome towards the better. And with that, of course, as we showed in our paper, you start to have better digestive issues like inflammation less, constipation, even craving when cravings went down.
0: Right. And and you mentioned in your study also a lot of the people that first came into it, they had issues like SIBO, right? Which is something that many people face. Sometimes it is really being blamed for everything, right? It may not even be SIBO, it could be something different. But uh, how did that look in terms of wh- what were like the symptoms when they first started and then? What happened four weeks after? How did that change? What was like the positive impact of introducing that new diet?
2: So what happened at the beginning, as you know, with people with SIBO, they really have uh, pain. They have also sometimes, uh, you know, uh, diarrhea. They have some constipation. It really varies Mm. depending on what sort of change in the microbiome in your gut. What is the, when you say SIBO, small intestinal overgrowth, what type of organisms are uh, overgrown? And in particular, we had, three people with SIBO in our clinical trial. And the first week really did not do a lot of difference. Okay. The second week also, you know, slightly better. But by the third week, and certainly by the fourth week, the lady said, I never felt like this for really very, very long time. So it took about
1: four weeks to bring everything together. The interesting... Can we take a step back? Because I think something that a lot of people in in his... Example speaks right to this. A lot of people misinterpret gut balance and microbiome health about destroying the bad guys and just having the good guys. And that's really the mm-hmm. wrong way to look at it. What really, what you're trying to do is really get diversity in the gut, both the quote unquote good guys and the bad guys. Because the dirty secret is even Canada, which is like kind of the king of bad guys actually has a very positive role to play in digestion at certain good levels. In fact, almost half of people have candida in their guts normally, right? The problem is it's very much like sharks, right? Sharks have a very important role to play in the ocean's ecosystem, but you wouldn't want to be in a pool by yourself with sharks, right? So in the gut, it's very, it's very much the same. You, once that balance is disturbed, you have candida, zygomycota, some of these negative ones, if they get a chance to grow out of control, that's where you have the problems. So when through the diet, through probiotics, whatever it is you're doing to kind of uh, bring your gut into balance, it's really about that homeostasis generally, because that's where these things start to come into play. Like I'll give you a very specific example. Obviously, one of the big shifts is this idea of low carb, no carb, low dairy, no dairy, right? So about a year or so ago, we had a contingent of uh, customers that had taken our gut test that reported very bad symptoms, right? And really, it was assumed that there was something going on with candida, something like that. And what we found was an overgrowth of a fungi called zygomycota. That's something you typically only see in like severely autoimmune compromised people, right? So like cancers, even things like HIV. But this was enough people, and these are people that look like Lululemon models, that it's unlikely to be that. What we found was that they were completely cutting out dairy, completely cutting out carbs, and that was allowing zygomycota to grow out of control. Because dairy and uh, carbs can be very good prebiotic, probiotic foods, totally eliminated those and it's hurting the system. So uh, I use that example as a way of showing... But when you
0: say carbs, you mean carbs in general? Like, Would you include refined carbs like from from bread and pasta or... Any kind of carbs?
1: Yeah, they were almost trying to totally eliminate carbs. Okay. Like maybe from some veggies, but they were, you know, your classic sort of carbs, they were just completely eliminating. And for their system, it wasn't good because those were bringing in natural prebiotics to really keep the system in homeostasis, when they remove those foods, Mm -hmm. this very aggressive fungi had a chance to really get going in their system, causing them issues, right? So guess what? They start introducing dairy and carbs back in at at reasonable amounts, symptoms start to ease. You know what I mean? So it's it's really, it's one of these things where people underestimate how much it is about just generally keeping the balance.
0: And do you see it vary from person to person, depending on where their current microbiome is at right now? Absolutely,
1: maybe I can jump into this. But really, what people have to realize is that Gut health is multifactorial, right? So you can be genetically predisposed to having issues. Your diet obviously is massive, but then things like alcohol, things like sleep, people really underestimate the role of their lifestyle. Like we've actually helped like UFC fighters that have, and bodybuilders that have terrible digestive issues. And what they didn't realize was that their amount of exercise was causing severe stress on their microbiome, causing them issues. And that's
2: where really very important point is moderation. You need to look at the diet as well as lifestyle. You know, and also it's very important when you go into a new diet, just listen to your body, ease into it. Don't just go a hundred percent after it and then say, Oh, I have bloating. For example, you are, we are supposed to take prebiotic because prebiotic are good because they feed the good bacteria and also resistant starch. Like you find in oats, you know, Mm -hmm. you find in potatoes, but the problem, if you take so much in one go, when you haven't had prebiotic before, you are going to have bloating. And that's why I always recommend ease into this diet. Take a week, listen to your body and adjust accordingly.
1: You know, because yeah, we'll uh, often get, we'll have a lot of people that tell us, all oh, right, I've tried to eat veggies. I just feel so bloated. And we'd say, just trust us, stick with it for a couple of weeks and then come back to us. And guess, guess what happens? They They've given their body some time to, you know, adjust. And the other thing too, is dad talks about this all the time Is what People on paper, they they have the perfect diet. They eat exactly as they should. They exercise, they use supplements and they still have issues. And then guess what? They also list because they fill out a questionnaire when they take our gut test that they're severely stressed. Right. And right. so a lot of times it's frustrating for people because it's not necessarily about their diet or about like probiotics. It's about true lifestyle factors that are causing the issue. And really, we had one, one lady in particular, she took
2: the test. And when I looked at her microbiome, we found that it is imbalance or in a dysbiotic stage. Now, I looked at the food. Honestly, she was eating all the right food. And then the good news in our test, you know, when we do the gut testing, we have a questionnaire. We collect all this information about, do you exercise? Do you sleep well? Are you stressed? We found that she was extremely stressed. So when I talked to her, I said, listen, I want you to understand about the gut brain access because the gut talks to our brain. We always thought that the brain is the one that directs everything in our body. No, now we have bidirectional communication. It goes between the brain to the gut and the gut to the brain. And when you have stress, guess what happened? Your microbiome becomes imbalanced, and when you have become imbalanced, you are gonna start having digestive issues, you know. Right. So it's very important that you you start to take for example a little bit a little bit of med- uh, meditation today actually i was talking to a lady and she i really felt uh, a bit sorry and it's no surprise with all what's going on now with the covid uh, and the pandemic with the way life these days is very stressful and then i told her please take at least 15 minutes a day when you feel you are so anxious just think about nothing and you know it's difficult to do but if you get used to it it will really help you so you have a combination of lifestyle as well as diet and then it should really help
0: you so in terms of diet what is it that you recommend doing what are like the foods one should be eating and what are the foods somebody should be limiting and what are the foods that you should completely avoid
2: so really what guides us in this principle is the following. As I mentioned, I want to try to reduce the pathogen, organisms that are causing inflammation. And in this case, the pathogen, let's take candida. Okay, Candida is one of those organisms that, as Afif said, it could be at low level, helps, helps us. It really could help us. It break down food and this sort of thing. When it increases, it causes a problem. Now, what type of food, for example, sugar. Candida loves sugar. So you need refined sugar, all these sweets and whatever, they are not good. But to encourage it, you also need to take some food that have vitamins, uh, especially B, A, and C. Why? What happens? Studies have shown that if you have deficiency in these then in these vitamins you are going to have gastrointestinal issues with the candida also if you eat some good protein lean protein from plants from fish or poultry this is going to help candida also very well now let's look at what can we do what type of food we need to support the beneficial organism and in this case i give you bacteria such as bifidobacterium and lactobacillus prebiotic is very good resistant starch a lot of Oatmeal, for example, is great. Unripened banana, it will help you, you know. Then we like to have some anti-inflammatory food, like cruciferous vegetables. These vegetables are really very helpful. And what are those? Exactly, anti-oxidant, you know. Then finally, I we want what Afif mentioned before about this digestive plaque we need to uh, eliminate it. How can we do that? For example, apple cider vinegar is great. Turmeric is great. And sometimes, of course, you can you need the help with some probiotic. But one thing which I always like to advocate for snacks, especially like pistachios. Pistachios is unbelievable. It has been shown. Like there was a study where it compared pistachio and w- walnut. And guess what? Pistachio is really superstar when Come it comes to supporting your, your your gut health. So there are some. Other food, uh, which are what you call microbiome-friendly food, okay? You have ginger, for example, which is great. Garlic. Garlic is one of my favorite, you know. In fact, I just tell you a story. This is what brought me to the U.S. because I studied garlic and I published three papers on the benefit of garlic in really not in killing candida as well as in Uh, really supporting against the biofilm.
0: No way. And would you recommend eating garlic, turmeric, and uh, apple cider? ginger and all of those every day or a certain amount every week
2: that, that's that's really very very good i
1: would say this food you wouldn't eat three to seven times uh, per week you know you don't have to have every day. And, and something we always point out it's because people say oh garlic apple cider vinegar like how am i gonna get this it, it doesn't have to be overwhelming it can be like a little bit on some salad mm. mixing with not you, you know what i mean like i think some one of the problems we always run into is it's it's very People want to go to extremes, right? They want to. If if you tell me to eat garlic and and drink apple cider vinegar, they're gonna, you know, go to cloves and jugs of this stuff, right? That, that's not really what you need. You know what I mean, like, you really need just like small, almost trace amounts of these to start seeing some difference. Because the organisms we're talking about they're microscopic. When we when we show a picture on our website, it's at ten thousand x magnification, right? So you don't actually need a lot to really break it down, you know. The other thing, which I think, like from uh, Let's say
2: a lot of us uh, take drinks during the day. Water is fantastic, but green tea is really, really very good. If you can take at least one cup of the green tea a day because of its polyphenols, it's really very, very beneficial. Something else which is really good to have, half a cup, again, three times, let's say, a day of fermented food, kombucha and this sort of thing, because they have some good organisms there. Now, with respect to the sugar, I really have a sweet tooth, okay? So I like to have sometimes sugar, but it is a no-no. Instead of that, try to take a little bit of honey, you know? A little bit, one spoonful of honey is fantastic, as well as maple syrup, but not too much of it. Not more than one tablespoon per uh, one tablespoon per
0: day. And how come like our body is processing honey and maple syrup so much differently than say cane sugar or fructose or you know some of those artificial sweeteners even
2: The artificial sweeteners, the problem is our body when they break in, breaking it down, it goes into as you know, like in, in general you use it for energy and this sort of thing. but then
1: when you have more of it, it start to convert into fat and convert into other. Dad, why don't, you, why don't you tell them about your study you did on the artificial sweeteners in the microbiome? We did uh, the uh, Splenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a study where we
2: showed that, uh, that was uh, an animal study, okay? We showed that when you give the mice uh, Splenda sweetener, artificial sweeteners, which completely I, I am against, what it does is it increases the growth of protobacteria. A phylum protobacteria and this protobacteria is a red flag for inflammation okay so that's why if we do the gut testing with biome and we found that you have a lot of protobacteria we know that there are there is some underlying inflammation so what we recommend you recommend to have fibers as well as vitamin d3
1: this will reduce so, so can, I, can i hit two things over the head that i think are really important it's it, first you ask the question like, well, why, why is this happening? Like, why does our bodies process certain things like efficiently and other things unofficially, right? And I think the way to think about it is, first, anyone who tells you they know everything about this area, they're, they're literally lying, right? Because this is what, <laughs> what we call like an emerging area of science. The way we say is like, this is like cancer research in the 1970s. So what we know is that there's a correlation between all these things we're talking about. The actual mechanism of action, we're still figuring out. So for example, my father just got a National Institutes of Health grant, I think that $3 million, only to study the mechanism of action of the metabolites that are secreted from probiotic strains in the gut. Why? Because we're not exactly sure why these things are happening, but what we know is the science is very clear that diversity of organisms is, is critical and that certain foods are, are more efficient, and then it's not rocket science that a lot of chemical based ingredients or artificial ingredients they, they're just not as receptive for your body's uh efficiency. You know, the other thing I want to really emphasize because I, we don't feel like a lot of people, and it's ironic because we're in the supplement business, but we always say, Listen, uh, because a lot of people say, Well, what product? I, I have this, what, what product? And we're like, Was well, they're called dietary supplements, they should be a supplement to what you're doing in your diet, right? Because a lot of times when we look these people are having digestive issues. The first thing we're like, we, we almost don't want to hear what you were complaining about. How, how do you eat? Right. And what we find is a lot of times they don't really don't need a lot of help. They need to just adjust their diet. You know what I mean? So I, right. I, I think one of the things we always advocate is none of these products are silver bullets. They're an adjuvant to what you should be doing in your diet. Then, yeah, you know, like we love kombucha, we love sauerkraut, all those things. The problem is it, it's, it's hard to get a consistent amount of probiotics just through foods, even very well done. And like, this batch of sauerkraut may not be like that. Probiotics can help you get a consistent amount in your diet, right? And
2: especially, especially when you have, let's say you take an antibiotic. When you take an antibiotic, what happens, as mentioned earlier, you are killing all the bacteria, not only the bad one, but also the good one. So having probiotic in this case, after you finish your uh, antibiotic course, is beneficial because you are going to uh, supplement the organisms in your gut and try to rebuild back what is beneficial bacteria there and then with your diet and lifestyle it will all
1: come beautifully together right like the goal is ultimately that your your system is an amazing machine it should be able to produce its own balanced ecosystem the problem is because of like we said these multifactorial things always causing issues it can help to have a boost from a supplement but like you really should be looking at it. How can I create a machine through my diet, through my lifestyle that is self-fulfilling in creating probiotic strains in my organism, controlling some of these pathogenic organisms? Like your, your system is actually very powerful. Now, you know, when you run into immune disorders, yeah, th- then you're, you're talking about a different category. But the other thing is when people hear autoimmune, a lot of times they go straight to like very serious conditions, but you can be immunocompromised by having a cold, by being run down. Like there's a lot of, by being obviously stressed. R- right, like my dad, he's extremely old, right? <laughs> no, but like, but like babies, like you'll see babies will get candida thrush. Why? Because their immune system is still being developed. And then obviously on the other end, you know, uh, older people are, their immunity is just slowing down. So, so that's where your diet and some of the other things you can do to really boost your immunity is, is critical. So I really want to bring an example of
2: our gut is like a, your garden. Okay, really, when we want to go now, especially now, I, I understand the weather in New York, the weather in here, Cleveland is beautiful. And so sitting outside in the garden will be so important. And when you love roses, you need to give them their fertilizers, their food, so that you have lovely roses. But at the same time, you want to kill the weeds. Otherwise, they'll be all over the place. And you you really, it's not the same feeling. So to me, when you look at our gut, there are microbes living there. Your gut is like the garden. What you feed it with food, with supplements of probiotic, for example, you are gonna nourish the good ones. At the same time, you are gonna kill the bad ones, okay? And that's why I say it's all in your hands. If you know how to feed the good guys, stop the bad guys, guess what?
1: You really won the battle and you will enjoy the garden within you. Yeah, just to, just to add one other point to that, a lot of there's more and more attention now but people often ignore prebiotics role in in everything which prebiotics is basically a fancy word for dietary fiber it's very hard for your body to break down but again using the garden analogy really you should think about it as the probiotics are the seeds of the garden and then prebiotics are like that very rich topsoil you know so
0: so what would be some good prebiotic foods that one could consume or can you also get prebiotic supplements
1: So you can get prebiotic supplements like we have one, but again, a few of my dad's favorite, he loves going through this list, but I'll beat him (laughs) up. His favorite one is uh, unripened bananas, right? Like they're, go ahead, dad, take it from real. No, no, no. (laughs) Ah! You see, I have to live with him, this
2: guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think really the probiotic a lot of legumes are really very, very good, like beans. Whether I love lentils, for example, lentils is fantastic, especially if you take it with a little bit of lemons and this sort of thing. All type of uh, uh, it has uh are uh,
0: extremely rich in fiber.
2: All of these they are all really rich in fiber, and they have they double as resistant starch. And what do I mean by resistant starch? It's really the starch which we eat, but our body, the intestine, does not have to, uh, does not break them down. But they go, they go into the large intestine, and that's where the microbes start to break them down as a food source. And guess what? By doing this, they really are growing. They're keeping the bad ones down. At the same time, they produce. That's one thing which we didn't talk about. Why do we need beneficial organisms in our? because they produce all these small molecules or small compounds such as short chain fatty acids, which guess what? They really can help our immune system and reduce inflammation. And they produce some other chemicals which are very beneficial and that com- can communicate with our brain, the gut brain access to really have both ways, less stress as well as more balance in our
0: brain. Right. I still want to talk a little bit more about probiotics and particularly also your supplements but before we do that we have covered now a lot of the things that one should be introducing into their nutrition and into their diet but are there also uh, certain foods or drinks one should completely avoid or limit because they could harm the balance in your gut
2: oh definitely like for example one of the big ones is the alcohol for example you know we i'm not saying don't drink alcohol at all it's really a fine but it has to be limited. We recommend maybe three glasses of uh, alcohol uh, a week. That will be plenty. Because, you know, apart from the fact that they really cause imbalance, alcohol itself has other side effects, cardiovascular or whatever, so it should not be uh, encouraged. Other type of food, saturated fatty, acid, fatty acids, for example. That's why we recommend mono or polyunsaturated fatty acids. It's very important to have... Low, low, low fat. You you know, it's not no fat, but low fat, and try to eat. You know, for example, a lot of animal fats is really not not very good because what happens, especially in our gut, they encourage the growth of inflammatory Mm. uh, microbes and uh, which love by loving microbes. So that's why you need to avoid some of these uh, type of
0: food. Got it. And now, in terms of biome and uh, the product and the service that you offer, so you first start out with. A report, right? So maybe maybe you can just walk me through it. So I come on your website and I sign up. What happens?
1: So you go to the website, and then again, taking a step back, this is the same NIH level testing that my father was doing in his lab. Mm -hmm. And we realized what what was critical was to make it a very simple process because this is very complicated So you go to the site, you order a kit, kit sent to your house. It's uh, simple to follow instructions. You basically take a a fecal sample, where you take just some. Uh, coloring off of a swab off of toilet paper. You send it back in in an envelope that we provide you. It goes directly, and this is an important fact. It goes directly back to Case Western School of Medicine where my dad's labs are. Every single test is done at Case Western, which is one of the top 25 medical research institutions. So this isn't like we just slap together a lab. It's the same exact testing my dad does for everything from FDA drug approval pathway to NIH. Then it it gets processed and along the way you're getting Updates like your sample has now gone to quality control. I'll, I'll, I'll make you laugh. When we first introduced the test, about 20% of them would fail. This is a couple of years ago because uh, we weren't getting enough sample. Like the swabs would come back <laughs> the and they're literally white, right? <laughs> so we're like, so we so we put a little uh, sticker on that says, uh, "If the swab's not right, if the swab is white, it's not right. It has to be brown for the test to go down." You know? And guess what? Our our failure rate from went from 20% to 1%. You know? So now, so what? The whole way you're getting updates and then once you get the report back and let me take some back, sorry, you actually also fill out a questionnaire after you submit your sample and it goes over everything from your lifestyle to your diet to your demographics. Why? Because that is critical information for understanding if there's something going on. Like you said, foods to avoid it may not just be about your food. It might be some of these other issues. So we need to have this like holistic questionnaire. So then a couple weeks later you get your report. And then you have the option of actually talking with one of our nutritionists who will walk you through your, your results and the recommendations. And the format very much looks like a credit report. It has a dial showing you where your balance is compared to normal. And you see exactly how you compare to the thousands and thousands of people in our database. And we're actually in our next generation going to have it where you can say, you know, I'm a vegan in California that does yoga three times a week and see how your gut compares to a very similar person.
0: Right. And then what happens next? You go through a new diet and maybe you also get some some of your supplements because you also offer supplements, right? Are those like tailor-made to my own gut or how do they look?
1: That's a great question. So first, and Dad, you can jump in here in a moment. The recommendations are in three buckets. One is diet, obviously. Second is lifestyle. And then third are supplements. Now, importantly, it's not just our supplements. This isn't a way to just sell you products. In fact, you can just buy our probiotics without ever taking a test. And we also recommend other products that we think are good. So for example, fish oils, very good multivitamins. If we don't actually produce them, we recommend ones right. that we think are, are very high quality. So for us, it's agnostic about the products. You know, You can take the test just to understand how to optimize your diet. But if it makes sense, yeah, there are product recommendations as well. So really,
2: once you have your gut testing done, you receive this, this report, which shows you what organisms you have in you that in your gut. What are the microbes that form your community? And it compares it to a nor- normal, which we looked at thousand uh, person, and we found. They they are they don't they are not on antibiotics they don't have any health issues and whatever so that's what we consider like the human microbiome project these are healthy people so you look compare yourself to healthy uh, person and then based on this we will identify what whether you are in a good shape if you are in a good shape similar to this well and good keep at it continue doing the right food and you are fine. If if you want some time to supplement yourself with a probiotic, just to make sure you know we all go off base sometimes, that will be very helpful as well. Then we go over the report, the report, then the recommendation. The recommendation, for example, we give them what are dietary com- uh, the recommendation, what sort of thing you should uh, eat, increase plants, for example, try to cut sugar. You know, what about your vitamin uptake? So that's one thing. Then we go into the questionnaire because we are asking you about your lifestyle if you don't exercise we say please try to do at least 30 minutes of exercise a day again you don't have to kill yourself moderation is the key in addition what about your sleep your sleep pattern let's look at it anxiety as we talked about and the stress then we go into supplement recommendation based on your needs okay even though we we sell a uh, probiotic biome probiotic prebiotic we have now new a product where you have probiotic and vitamin C for the immunity, for example. But sometimes we don't sell, for example, at the moment, vitamins. But if your body needs it, we will tell you, please take also vitamins. And we be more specific. If it is like I, I gave you an example before, if it's protobacteria, vitamin D3 is very good. If you have fungal issue, then please take A, B, and C. Maybe multivitamins is the way. So we also sometimes recommend If you have some inflammatory issues, turmeric, for example, ginger, we we give them also that. So you'll have a complete picture what you need to do, hopefully, to balance uh, your gut.
0: Right, and in your book, you mentioned that even within already 24 to 48 hours, you can already achieve some changes in your microbiome, right?
2: Yes, yes. You know, this was based on a study, published study where they they compared short-term diet versus long-term diet. And what they found that it is possible to change candida and the fungus in your body very fast within 24 hours and that's why they call it it is it happens in a short-term diet whereas the bacteria is more resilient and it requires much longer the long-term diet that's why you start to see the change in your microbiome very fast
0: and then when would you recommend doing like a follow-up tests so you can really get a report like how much has changed over the period of time where I changed things in my lifestyle
2: you know some people come to us within three to six months Uh i think that will be a really good period because before that i think it's too too soon because remember as we said with the diet as well as with the probiotic studies which we published it took at least four weeks for you to start to see this change so to me, three months, six months will be really very good time for you to take the test again. And how
0: much variation do you see between one test to another? Like if I sent you a test from today and then another one from tomorrow from a different stool sample, would that be completely different? Would you see like a, quite a bit of variance or how do, you, how do you correct for that?
2: Yeah, I think if it is like one, today, one or two days difference, you are going to see uh, some variation. Remember, because all, a lot of organisms come from food yeah. as well what we eat and this sort of thing. So this day to day variation or type of food we are eating could could influence it. But really there are studies where people were followed for a long time
1: and in general they found in a person that it is really More more stable than we think it is. But you bring up a good point, which I think is worth addressing. Like my dad said, there are these like transitory organisms that, like, if you eat jalapenos, they would show up in your microbiome. So we literally sequence and see every organisms. But on your report, we're only showing what we kind of call the core microbiome. Mm. These are ones that are either native to the the gut, or we know there's a health and wellness tie to them. So we're screening out for the report like organisms that you would associate with specific foods because it's really not meaningful so it, it, uh, from that aspect it, it's, it's you're not going to see a lot of variation got it and really a free phrase is very very important point
2: here why because as you know you have thousands of reads when you do analysis and you have so many organisms you really cannot tell uh, the people the consumers that oh, you have this huge list of organisms. In fact, I was in a meeting at the National Institute of Health and one of the physicians stood there and said, so what does that mean? (laughs) You know, raising his hands up. So we tried to select what organisms are good, which really you need to have, and the ones that we are watching for that we don't want to have a lot of them. So this will at least make it much more simple to understand. And in fact, at the moment, we are even working on making this report even better. You know, there was a a paper which just came out of how can we make such tests um, have more utility where people can do it, where we can help clinicians to follow it up. In fact, we are talking to a group of, uh, of clinicians now and we are working with them how to optimize it so that our general practitioner will know what to do. And I think this is an exciting thing, which I hope we will be able to do because then the usefulness or the utility of such report would be much better,
0: I hope. Yeah, do you, do you think there's maybe even a future where I come in for my annual checkup to my general practitioner and they not just do a blood test and blood pressure test and all of those, but they also actually take a stool sample so they can have a look into my microbiome to give me so, better so advice
1: exactly what you're talking about now we, we actually do that on a very limited concierge basis but you know sort of cutting edge institutions are already doing that so if you look at like cleveland clinic center mm. for Personal medicine you know guys like dr mark hyman and then obviously on the coast you're seeing that now usually those things that happen sort of on the bleeding edge you know five ten years down the road you start to see in general you know, population. So, you know, the science is undeniable around the microbiome and its role, like even things like pain, you know, we're finding that people's perceived knee pain in clinical trials is more impacted by this, depending on the state of their microbiome, you know, so huh. it's it's going to be as common as a, uh, as a blood test. But what we'll likely see is that the role of specific organisms, it's going to look much more like a blood panel where we know these specific organisms are tied to Crohn's are tied to you know, uh, even lactose intolerance. We see in our data, we've found that someone with lactose intolerance, their gut does not look like someone without lactose intolerance. That's interesting. Now, interesting in correlation versus causation, we're still not there yet. I, we always are very clear to say that, but that this is clearly where it's headed. So it's the way to look at it, the microbiome is not a panacea. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Yeah. It's very much like a cholesterol test. If you take a cholesterol test and you turn to your doctor and he says, okay, you're 200. And you go, so what do I do? He says, I don't know. Do you eat pizza every night? Do you have family history? But it's a very useful tool for you to take next actionable steps. So the microbiome is very similar, right? If you are eating extremely well, like we, you know, one of our, our good buddies, Kyle Kingsbury, he's, you know, former UFC guy. This guy could not exercise better, eat better. You know, he's an optimizer. Looking at his microbiome, we can see, okay, this is likely exercise related, right? You, you can't do that if you're not yeah, getting- that's amazing. Control, right, you know, so, so it's going to end up being a tool in the health toolkit. And I tell you, this is one exciting point about what what just Hafif said. We
2: actually working with Dr. Lee Ponsky from University Hospitals in Cleveland to address exactly that. And his interest is to say, how can we have, especially with male male, uh, uh, customers, how can we help them improve their health? You know, a lot of the time, women are much better than men in taking the test, going to the doctor and this sort of thing. So now we are working together, Biome uh, Health, with the University Hospital, with uh, Dr. Ponsky. How can we now make this test exactly what you said, uh, Martin, that can you come to the physician in addition to your cholesterol? Let's do, do your microbiome. And by the way, this is what you need to improve. So this is the exciting future we are looking for.
0: And do you feel like you have enough data yet to correlate some of those factors?
1: 100% no. Obviously the more data the better. But the way I always put it for context is some of the clinical trials on some of the biggest drugs in the world were like a thousand people. Like that's considered a very big clinical trial. We have tens of thousands of samples. Do you know what I mean? Like you're mm-hmm. talking about clinical trial level data that just drugs have never had this much data. And it's just that's the power of, you know, statistical significance you can start seeing after 50, 60 people. So when you're starting to talk about the thousands, you're starting to get in an area. Now again. I always caution that it's strong enough data for correlation, but the causation we're still figuring out, you know, and, and like my dad said, the bi-directional is yeah. stress causing the issue in the microbiome, or is the microbiome causing issue, you know, mentally. So these are things though, that it's very critical insights for the next wave of therapeutic development. You know what I mean? So yeah. Even, even, uh, you know, what we've seen is there's a lot of data showing that whether a drug uh, works for someone in a clinical trial can depend on the state of their microbiome. So, you know, what we've seen and Dad's seen in his research is drug companies are starting to look at who in their clinical trial, the state of their microbiomes, because they want to make sure they're going to respond to the drug. You know, I mean? so it's, In fact, in fact, let me give you an example about this. You know, checkpoint inhibitor. Yeah.
2: They are. And new cancer drugs. 30% of people, when they take it, they fail. And what they found recently is that because the microbiome they have is is breaking down these inhibitors, these drugs. And because of this, it does not work. So now we are starting to do some research where we have, it's very, very
0: fascinating. fascinating.
2: We have an animal group that responds very well for uh, checkpoint inhibitors, while another does not respond. You know what we are doing? We are now, we just got fecal samples. We are looking at their microbiome and it will be so exciting to see maybe because of the difference in their microbiome, these are the organisms responsible and of course for breaking down And that's why it does not work in this uh, population, but it works in the others. And then this is a way for us to
1: even have new ways of controlling these. I'll I'll even give you a further example. We can't say the company, but we're announcing it actually next week. We actually have a licensing deal with a pretty sizable pharma company where they're combining our probiotic with their drug to see if our probiotic is able to optimize the performance of their drug. Why? Because they think if, their probiotic is able to actually improve the microbiome. It could actually make their drug more efficient. Now, a lot of science to do ahead of that. Mm-hmm. This is the promise of, of some of these things in the microbiome. Now, again, like I said about being in the 70s with cancer, yeah. races, there's a lot of work to go, but it's clear that science is indicating that the microbiome is the next frontier.
0: Oh, yeah, that's amazing. I, I can only imagine now what it's going to be like in five, 10 years from now.
1: Right. Yeah, long after my dad is gone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> It's
2: after me. But I
0: don't care. Finally, I want to bring this up because you also mentioned in the book, like even before you go ahead and get a report and you brought some of those up in our conversation, you know, from exercise to stress, there are also quite a few external factors that have an impact on your biome, right? Can you mention a few of those? Like what are the things that I can do today if I go out to actually have a positive impact on my total gut balance?
2: I mean, one of the things, of course, we talked about exercise, which is really very clear. But also, if you go and hike, for example, hiking, it's going to expose you to really nice atmosphere, the beautiful air. But at the same time, you get exposed to some of the microbes, mm. there, which going to uh, be beneficial to you. Like, for example, we have if you have a dog, dogs. Also, they show that kids who have dogs and this sort of thing, obviously, you know, they exchange microbes with the, <laughs> with the dog. That also is very, very helpful. You know, one of the things I always say, if kids who live in farms, at farms, they really have less allergy than if you live in urban area, okay? So to me, it's very important, don't worry about dirt, okay? Go out, play, let these kids play. Let's have these organisms. Even though now with this pandemic, everybody is going to be afraid of organisms again because of the COVID-19 virus. But there are very good microbes in soil when, you, when the kids play outside because that will train your body mm. to have a better immune response to these. So being out in nature, let the kids play, let them enjoy it. And then this is really is going to help you overall. Health.
0: Nice. Yeah, I wonder like if that's gonna have a profound impact now that you know we learn to wash our hands every thirty minutes nowadays.
2: <laughs> no, I know, and uh, honestly, as somebody who works in the microbiome area, that's exactly what I think. In oh my god, I am sure we are gonna start to do uh, studies uh, in the effect of these. Uh, that disinfectants on the microbiome in fact you will uh, you will be interested to know i did this study and published it uh, some time ago where we looked at hand sanitizers actually uh, for people in the hospital and we published it and i talked to you know the company who did it and we published uh, with them gojo you know which uh, like purell and i said you know what we really now to think about what is the long-term effect of all of these Mm -hmm. in the microbiome so this is uh, again You are right. Like, in a way, I think we should follow the CDC guidelines to wash hands, put this disinfectant, you know, hand sanitizers because of the COVID. But really, we should not forget that some of these organisms are good. Not all of them are COVID, guys. There are good bacteria. Go out into nature, keep your distance but let's have the good guys come and live with
0: us. Very true. So how can people learn more about Biome? Like how can they learn more about you? What's your website? What are the next steps? So
1: our website is biomehealth.com, B is in boy, I-O-H-M, biomehealth.com. And uh, his book is called Total Gut Balance, which is on Amazon and major booksellers, although I don't know if any of them are open now. <laughs> but yeah, that's and the other thing we have on our website are, hundreds and hundreds of recipes that people can also check and we have a great podcast also where my dad talks about just the basics of the microbiome and we interview a lot of experts and that's called the microbiome report
0: nice yeah i feel we have really only touched the basics today unfortunately we are out of time but yeah i mean it's definitely a great resource then to come to your website listen to the podcast and dive deeper into the whole topic
1: well thank you so much for having us
0: yeah thanks for coming on the show (laughs) afif and mamoud much appreciated (laughs) i
1: really appreciate it Have a great day.
0: you too. Take care. Wow, this was a long interview, and I still feel like we've barely even covered this subject. Achieving total gut balance is definitely a fascinating subject. And as you've heard today, there's a ton that you can do through diet, avoiding stress, and exercise. If you've never tested your own gut, I can only strongly recommend doing so. Just a few months back, after my interview with Richard Lin of Thrive, I took the microbiome test, and while I learned that I overall possessed a healthy microbial balance, I also discovered that I had far fewer Akkermansia municephilia bacteria in my system than what is considered the norm. And further reading then revealed that there's a strong correlation between obesity and the lack of Akkermansia. And trials with mice showed that those were supplemented with Akkermansia cultures developed an improved metabolic health and glucose sensitivity. Wow. Fortunately, as you've heard from the founders of Biome, you can achieve a ton through diet alone. I then introduced fish oil and cranberries, um, which research has shown to have a prebiotic effect on Akkermansia and thus encourage their growth. Anyways, this is really just one personal example, and there's a lot more that can be done as you've learned from today. If you are keen to learn more, I'd strongly recommend giving Total Gut Balance a read as it not only features some of the science behind the mucobiome diet, but it also includes some great recipes that you can follow. Let us know what you think about the mucobiome and the microbiome. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Shape20Fit. I'm Martin Kessler from San Francisco, and this is 20 Minute Fitness.